welcome back to You Can't Podcast with Kids. It's a European special. Um, I'm joined today by Arjun Chadha, the European specialist. How are you? That's a very nice way to describe me. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm elated. I'm in a good mood. Looking forward well, to discussing I mean, I why. To, I refer to you as the Serie A specialist. And, you know, I think the La Liga one at one point. So I'll just call you like the overall European guy. Ashwin, right, okay. Ashwin you know, our domestic expert. How are you doing today? He loves England. What can I say? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Um, good week of European football. Um, and um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about, uh, about what's happening. Um, I think the Champions League draw is an absolute cracker. I'm sure we'll talk about that. So I'm really looking forward to doing this pod, I think. Um, nice mix of predictions and reviews. Yeah, I do agree that the Champions League draw does have some tasty ties. Um, but we should start in the Europa League for today. Um, big shock in Croatia as Dinamo overcome a two-goal deficit to beat Spurs uh, thanks to an Orsic hat-trick. Absolutely unbelievable game. Um, Arjun, this guy, I've never heard of him before, but he's had the game of a lifetime. Yeah, he's he's like a football manager legend, basically, from a couple of years ago. And I'm like... Yeah, great hat trick there. I think I think it was like all goals were like absolutely like worldly, some like the outside of the box as well. Um, or like, you know, near enough. And yeah, it was just an impressive performance by Dino Zagreb. Obviously their coach was in jail. He'd been jailed a couple of days ago for like tax fraud or tax evasion or something, linked to like um like their president and it's, it's the whole thing. Like I'm not really too um um well versed in it, but like basically a couple of years ago, Luka Modric was like tied up in this whole like tax evasion thing. Um, during like the summer of 2018, um, he was like convicted. He could have gone to jail um, after the World Cup in tw- summer 2018, and it's all like it's like held over from that basically. Um, yeah, their coach was like a youth team coach, I think, like just it- taking over an interim charge, and he somehow managed to rail the troops together. And yeah, three 0 impressive from Dinamo Zagreb. But I think this story, quite rightfully so, is about Spurs and how they managed to, in almost like typical Spursy fashion. Um, Bottle this 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 league. The history of the Tottenham. Yeah, exactly. As Chiellini famously said, and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, where do Spurs go from here? Like, it's a competition that they would be would have been fairly confident in progressing like deep into, and yet they're not out in the in round sixteen, just as they were a couple of years ago when they lost to uh, Ghent, I think, or Genk um, in twenty eighteen uh, or twenty seventeen. So yeah, I mean, it's just embarrassing from Spurs um, and Mourinho. Uh, you know, is obviously under the cost now. Yeah, a lot of interesting interviews after the game, especially from Jose. Um, He said that Spurs failed at not just the basics of football, but also the basics of life. Um, I wouldn't go that far, to be honest. It's not like Kane just stopped breathing on the pitch. Um, But they did look pretty terrible, didn't they, Ashwin? Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like a total capitulation. They didn't really have an answer. It was quite surprising. And there is going to be a lot of chatter, as there always is when Spurs exit a competition, about Harry Kane um, or whomever else leaving to, you know, pursue greener pastures elsewhere, like win trophies. But I think Kane can't be excused for the fact that I think overall now, for like quite a few years, he, I wouldn't say doesn't show up in big games, but he certainly is is minimised in big games compared to um, compared to how he performs week in, week out in the league. Now, that might be the nature of the fact that he um, is naturally playing against better teams as a self-selecting bunch in big games. 
But I don't think that's the entire story because in the league, when he plays against top sides, you know, he often does really well. So I think, you know, that that, that should be said. It's not to the first fair, time that um, Kane has let his team down against Croatians, of course. Mm. Ah, yes. Well, he was he was uh, thwarted by Dimo keeper Dominic Livakovic multiple times. Who, who, you know, incidentally, talk about football manager legends. I mean, he is a very good keeper uh, on that game, a young prospect. And I think... That it's just a, it would, I mean, the scenes after the final whistle were just absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just the the joy of of football and an upset that none of us really saw coming. I mean, how can you, how can you blow such a lead? Spurs just had to score one goal, which would have led, uh, you know, which would have meant Dinamo would have had to score four, which is basically. Well, I mean, you know, goals. it was so unpredictable that Joe Hart's planned social <laughs> media post hadn't been cancelled. Um, oh, he was dear. so confident. They, they were going to win or at least get through that he he had was planned a post in advance <laughs> that's that well, done. talk about counting your your chickens right i mean yeah i mean the, the right thing to do and he had to like post a video this morning apologizing for it saying like oh it's a complete mistake i mean surely the best thing to do there is just not do a video because that makes it even more worse like i don't I mean, understand it's just, it's just awful <laughs> what are yeah. you doing and i love at the end of that video he basically said like have a great day guys <laughs> like no everyone who follows Joe Hart all the Spurs fans who follow Joe Hart will be like devastated and angry and irritated by what he's done and yeah I mean, maybe he's just you know saying that to all of the the happy opposition fans that are going <laughs> to be watching that video in glee um Lloris hinted in his interview it was quite explosive to be honest it was just eight minutes of bashing the club he talked about there being sort of just a bad attitude at the club which sort of kind of reeks of this Jose typical, like, toxic um, virus that goes through the club. Maybe virus is the wrong word to use. But Arjun, Arjun what do you think about um, uh, what Lloris said? Do you think Spurs... I mean, are we really surprised um, that, it, that, this is, that this is happening and that Spurs have come to this? I mean, it's, it was so predictable. Um, it's predictable every club he takes over. Um, and, yeah, I mean... The more interesting thing is like where where does where does Jose go from here? He obviously has this League Cup uh, final, um, I think next month and next month against Man City. Obviously, a big opportunity for Spurs to win a trophy. Um, you've got to assume that uh, City are the uh, favourites for that, rightfully so. Um, and if Spurs weren't to win that, does he just sort of get let go at the end of the season? Because I don't really see how Spurs can go from, you know, a manager who you know took them from having one of the lowest wage budgets in the league who took them from like the Europa League to regularly making the Champions League or obviously getting to the final as well in Pochettino. And then hiring this like manager on I think 50 million a year, who's basically almost regret, um, you know, Spurs have regressed under him. Um, there's no sort of obvious play style. They're sort of very reliant on um, Harry Kane and Hong Kong Son. Um, occasional moments of bail, bail magic, but that's about it. It's just not um, sustainable. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I agree massively. I, but it was so predictable. Like you can see the timestamps of group chats we were all in when when he signed. Like there's a three-year Mourinho cycle, the classic one, where where he completely uh, explodes after three years. But but we predicted it would be faster than that, and this has been faster than that. And we we said at the time, you know, the serial winner stuff is really last decade, um, and it was all entirely predictable. None of this is a surprise to me at all. Um, the team got worse, yeah, because Mourinho doesn't play doesn't play as good football as Pochettino does. He, he just doesn't. So I mean that was predictable as well, and I think we all said it at the time. So, but but Levy 
chose Mourinho, I presumably not even for footballing reasons, at least entirely. I assume he chose him as a name, a brand, a piece of brand value, a way to boost Spurs' notoriety around the world. Someone who who is worth the um, prospect of playing in in that brand new stadium. And and if that's the reason you choose a manager, it's similar to United's issues over the last ten years, promoting commercial off the field uh, aims over on the field football performance. No wonder your on field performance suffers. And Spurs have abandoned their Pochettino transfer strategy of sustainable talent for good value that fits in long term and and is coherent with it with a style of play with the kind of scattergun A-list Galactico approach of Mourinho that he showed at Man United and elsewhere, where essentially you buy bail when it makes pretty much no footballing sense to do so beyond a sense of nostalgia. I mean, you know, and 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 similarly, um, you know, you, you provide newer contracts for people when when none of that seems to make sense if you're trying to boost the performance of the team long term. In terms of where Spurs can go from here, I don't think they're in like a massive crisis. They're a, a club with good resources, brand new stadium, and now thanks to Pochettino, a, a good international brand value. They got to the Champions League final, so I, I don't think it's of the realms of possi- I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they can get you know a good young manager in. Um, it might take some scouting. It might take a real bit of a risk take, you know, giving someone two or three years to fully to fully you know push forward. But but what that might entail is a rebuild, and it might entail you know letting someone like Kane go, um, letting someone like Son go, and if that's what it entails, and that's what it entails, and Spurs might be the better for it long term. From Kane's perspective, I don't know why why he'd he'd stay at the club. Having said what I said about his performance in big games. Um, he's got to be, you know, as an international player who who um, has had a really long-term history, both at international level and, you know, in terms of goal scoring at domestic level, he can probably just think cynically about his amount he can earn and he can win by piggying back along with better players at a, at a, at a, like a Real Madrid or a Barcelona. The thing with um, Spurs is that they essentially, they had like a project manager in Pochettino who, whose project was very successful. No, no trophies, but obviously advanced and t- took them a long way. Um, they essentially sort of sold their soul for Jose and sort of went for like the short-termist um, win-at-all-cost method. Um, but they haven't won anything. They've had some good results, obviously, but they've had more shocking results than they have had good results. Um, they have an opportunity to win something, sure, but it will only be a League Cup. And their main sort of chance of progress was winning a major European competition, i.e. the Europa League. They haven't done that, um, and yeah, I think like that's it for 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 Jose. Um, okay, sure, they might win the League Cup, which will certainly be impressive given who it's against. But I mean, it's not it's not really enough for Spurs. Um, and I just wanted to ask you guys: we had this discussion a few days ago about Harry Kane uh, potentially being the sort of best ever player to not win a trophy. Um, when that question was raised in the chat, we sort of laughed it off. But then when you sort of think about it, you realise like. All these players who you know you think may not have won trophies they have and he probably would be the best player um in, in the history of football to not won a trophy which is kind of remarkable um any trophy for club or country um and i just think yeah he, he's surely going to be thinking about his own sort of status whether he wants to stay at spurs establish himself as a legend well he already is one for spurs he is arguably already a premier league legend just because of the fact that he's you know won all these golden boots scored all these goals so in terms of like his own personal success does he want to sort of favor individual success and not uh you know like yeah in the premier league or does he want to win and move somewhere else and win trophies um i think like the answer is obvious um i think i think with spurs right now 
take as you suggested, Ashwin, setting Son, setting Kane, setting Ali. I mean, if you getting rid of all those people, like it's difficult to see where they go from there. Like the squad is really not as good as it was three years ago. And if you just rip up the playbook and try and start again, I don't know where Spurs can get to, especially with all the teams around them making progress as they are, like Leicester. So yeah, I mean, I mean, Spurs difficult... might have to. Yeah, Spurs might have to take being um, outside the Champions League for a couple of years. My, my point about them still having some transfer capital in terms of attracting players is that they play in London, they have a, a brand new stadium, and they have some brand notoriety. Um, having been in the Champions League. And that will all stand them in good favour over someone like a Leicester. Where Spurs are disadvantaged is their current lack of, of footballing strategy and their current lack of prospects to win major trophies um, and the lack of progress. As Arjun said, it's been more regression. Um, but that can be changed with a good young manager who, who encourages players. Like Arteta's not had many massively good performances at Arsenal, if any at all, but he you know, has the chance to... Um, his job is secure and he's been given time and people seem to want to play under him whether it's the youngsters or people that they bought in so maybe Spurs can find someone they could take a punt on and that, that can do, do some good for them On to Milan um, United managed to overcome that disappointment in the first leg to, to beat um, an Ibrahimovic side uh, by virtue of a Paul Pogba goal Pogba coming back from injury. I mean, he's been a huge miss, hasn't he, Arjun, for United? Um, he's been out for a month, and I think United have really started in his absence. Um, but it was a really, really composed finish, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, great play by Pogba for the goal. Uh, good finish. Um, obviously, like a very competent performance uh, for United yet again in like a big match. Um, they didn't do it in the Champions League when it mattered, but like, you know, throughout the season, we've, we've seen them sort of showing up to big games, you know, the big against the big six and in Europe generally. And this was like another content performance. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say I watched the match, um, so I can't really comment on how United and Milan play specifically, but sort of on a wider scale, um, it's a very impressive um, result by United. And, and certainly they'd be among the favourites going into the competition. I'm sure we'll discuss the draw uh, shortly. Um, but I want to ask you, Lawrence, like having watched the match, um, I, want, I was interested in some players for Milan, like how was Tomori? Um, did Tonali play? How was he? And also, how was Teo Hernandez? Because obviously, he's been like one of the best left backs in Europe this season. Well, I thought um, Teo was a bit anonymous. He was kind of cancelled out quite a lot um, for by Juan Bissaka. I thought Dallo on the other side was was actually better than him. Obviously, Dallo playing against his parent club, which is a bit of an awkward situation. Tomori was absolutely fantastic over the two legs, in my opinion. I mean, he shows the pace that many centre-backs don't have. He absolutely bullied Daniel James, even when James was trying to run past him. Tomori never always got that foot in and uh, showed his showed his class, really. I think maybe it was a mistake to uh, let him go for the season. Um, what really impressed me about United's performance was the ability to close out the game because we've seen many times over um, the season that United have blown uh, leads at the death that happened against Everton. Um, of course, it happened in the first leg against Milan. And the way that United kept the ball um, in in Milan's half, you know, in the final 10 minutes, the way that they sort of didn't just give the ball away unnecessarily, um, drove with the ball. It was just a very assured performance. And I, that really gave me some comfort about United's defensive stability. 
Um, and I agree. I think United should see themselves as uh, favourites, especially with, you could say, um, a favourable draw uh, in the quarterfinals against Granada. Um, the final Europa League game we're going to cover in detail is the um, the Rangers match. Um, they lost 2-0 against Slavia Prague, uh, having been reduced to nine men. But I think the big story of the game was um, the racial abuse that was allegedly um, aimed at Glenn Kamara. Now, I thought that obviously, I mean, I thought it was just really unnecessary. I mean, um, the, the person who was alleged to have said it was opposition player Andre uh, Kudela. And I thought it was really unnecessary because Slavia Prague were just were basically winning. I mean, what, what, do you, what do you seek to achieve by that, if anything? I mean, racism is just condemnable in any context. Um, but what really impressed me about Rangers is their response. Now, um, they've demanded like a full UEFA investigation into the matter. They have demanded UEFA action. Uh, they've used the phrase like not allowing Kamara to be a statistic. And I thought Gerard's response immediately after the game was just something that I've, I haven't really seen from a manager before. He showed genuine care for his players. He said he says he you know thinks of Kamara like a son to him, and he thought he said you know I'll stand sat you know side by side with him, and I think that is what a manager should be doing. Ashwin, do you have any thoughts on on what happened? Yeah, I mean I I think Gerard was obviously exemplary in his press conference, but I think what what was weird about this situation is. We've unfortunately had other instances, well-documented ones, about racial abuse in European football, um, etc. But um, this was different because Slavia Prague didn't, you know, condemn their player or apologise, but they denied it happened and then tried to simultaneously justify it by saying that the Rangers player had allegedly assaulted their player who would have been who had been accused of racism. Now that's that's a pretty, I don't know about you, that's quite a grim response to. Um, that allegation because firstly they they said it's not true which you know could be true at least there's a proper Rangers did the right thing by calling for an investigation so fair enough saying it's not true if it isn't true and then but then you know then saying even if it is true it was it's fine because he was assaulted um, is I don't know a bit despicable Um, and that's what I thought was surprising about this case because you have other cases of racism and the club will come out and apologise and the player will apologise and there's bans and there's procedures and whatever. Um, and then, you know, players, clubs can be quite seriously sanctioned with like empty stadiums eventually. But this was just weird because then not only was it denied, but then it was retrospectively um, justified by, by Slavia Prague. I don't think that's very helpful at a time when, you know, we made great strides in football with that kind of res- with that respect logo and 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 that, that kind of ethos to treat other players respectfully, um, you know, that, that's not that's not a response you like to hear from a club. Yeah, and I think what's going to be predictable and won't really achieve anything is like UEFA will come out uh, and basically try and probably find the Rangers players like failing to control themselves. They'll launch another campaign as they always do, like against racism that won't really solve anything. Um, this sort of like performative nonsense that, you know, UEFA... I, I mean, you say like they've done made great strides with this respect logo, fair enough. But like, there's been so many cases of racism that, and not much has been done. Like the fines, racism for clubs are like really like pitiful. Don't really are, are like you know a drop in the water for most clubs. Um, and yeah, I agree. Obviously, what what was said was abhorrent, and um, Slavia Prague sort of defending it and saying like we condemn all forms of racism, but not really saying anything about the incident too much was like weird. And I mean, what I have to say about Gerald is like like 
you know, it's shown like what a sort of good person he is at heart, basically saying like, I back my player, um, uh, like hundred percent and yeah, like great man of management and great sort of, uh, humanity there as well. Um, and yeah, we'll obviously support like, um, Rangers and like their efforts to basically bring this to justice and actually, you know, try and get something done about it rather than sort of letting it fall by the wayside, um, which is, you know, which would be terrible to see. Yeah, just to be clear, I mean, we, I'm sure you, I'm speaking for you guys when we say like, UEFA isn't like responsible for all of these incidents happening. And it's not like, um, just because this happened to be a Czech player that, that allegedly uttered those racist words doesn't mean that we don't have issues of race in our own country. And we've seen issues of like abuse, racial and other, really plague our, our Twitter, you know, feeds and Instagram, whatever for you know many years yeah like for example we've just seen like in the last hour like ryan brewster from sheffield united like has been like um been talking opening up about the the racist abuse he's suffered like recently which is you know just shows how like endemic it is in our country yeah but you know it's really important when these incidents happen that we have to have the proper protocols uh followed um and you know gerard spoke after interview said um there's a there's what I want to happen and what will happen and those are very very different things and I think that gap is is quite troubling um but let's move on to the footballing matters as difficult as it is as I mentioned before Granada uh faced United in the uh in the quarterfinals Arsenal uh will play Slavia Prague who are now facing their third um UK opposition um they've they've beaten Leicester, they've beaten Rangers. Do you think they'll beat Arsenal, Arjun? Uh, I mean, it's quite it's quite a tough uh, draw on paper. I mean, lots of teams have underest have sort of you know uh, been quite contested about Slavia Prague, and obviously it's come back to uh, bite them in the arse. Basically, Slavia Prague are a very competent team. They you know, their their results in Europe in the last few years have said it all. Not out severe from the Europa League two years ago. Um, did fairly well in that sort of nightmare uh, group. Um, they've had two I think nightmare groups in the Champions League. They've done fairly well in both of them. Um, gave Chelsea a tough game, knocked out Leicester, knocked out Rangers. And I think, yeah, they could, they're could. they definitely a match for Arsenal. I think Arsenal would be favourites to progress, but I don't think it would be that, that clear-cut. Um, Arsenal obviously struggles slightly um, in their home game against Olympiacos, uh, losing 1-0. Just a side note, Olympiacos have now won more games at the Emirates um, than Spurs have, which is very amusing given the amount of times that Spurs have obviously played uh, at Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a fairly tough game, uh, tough uh, tie. But I think Arsenal should get through. Um, I, I think don't know. The... I don't know. Okay. Slavia Prague have played like far better than I'd ever have given them credit for because um, you know I, I I didn't know much about them. But the way they played against the very, actually quite a good Rangers side, and the way they played against Leicester as well, I think, um, who obviously are very good Premier League side. Um, makes me feel that like it might be better than Arsenal. Um, given that, you know, they beat Leicester and Leicester are substantially better than Arsenal. Um, I mean, so it's not too know. controversial a statement to make, I'll be honest, because, um, I mean, we can all just, like, bust on the, the Czech league, but, I mean, results don't lie. And, and I think They are unbeaten, teams, yeah. Yeah, many teams have underestimated them in this competition. And don't forget, they're the team that produced... Um, Kufau and Suchek, who went on to West Ham despite and having good seasons at West Ham despite being like unknown. So it's not like we should just dismiss this team because we don't know all of their players. 
Um, the other two. If, if, you, if you go by the classic FIFA, what what they're rated on FIFA, they seem to have a very good, very solid good team. Lots of players in the high seventies. You know. <laughs> <laughs> isn't I swear like um, Gwen Doozy was like eighty three at one point. So we really can't trust anything that FIFA ratings go for. Um, but as I was going to say, I, the other two um, ties in the quarterfinals are. Ajax v Roma um, should be a great game, um, and uh, well, uh, Dinamo Zagreb uh, playing Villarreal, who are yeah. you know, doing well in Europe for the first time in quite a while. I think Arsenal have a, a favourable draw. I mean, Slavia Prague obviously they, they you know is hard, but if they win that game, they'll play um, Dinamo Zagreb or Villarreal, which you know you certainly prefer them over Ajax and Roma. Um, I think. I think, yeah, as I said earlier, I'm sure you agree with me, Lawrence and Ash, um, United would be the favourites uh, for this competition. Um, but, you know, Granada are a bit of a scummy team. They're a very shithouse team. Um, they're basically like Getafe, uh, but like with better players. They're basically like Atletico Madrid, but with worse players. Um, it would be a very boring uh, tie. I don't think too many goals will happen in this game. But I think, yeah, United would be favourites. Ajax and Real, um, sorry, Ajax and Roma is like, for me, like the most interesting uh, tie off this quarters, it'll be a really like end to end game. Both teams are very susceptible at the back. Ajax will obviously score a hat of goals and Roma are no um are no mugs either, so I think it'll be quite a good, good tie. Um Granada in English means grenade. So on that bombshell we'll show like to the television channel. <laughs> <laughs> um it's like when, when yeah, first team like first time like a team from its own from from a country's like drawn drawn like itself against a television company, United <laughs> against Granada, yeah. Yes, no, that's probably happened before. I'm gonna Canal maybe is that a team? I don't Canal know. Plus. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, that's uh, in France. Yeah. yeah, the the uh the better Granada then at Atletico Madrid they in the Champions League they uh, failed to overturn that first leg defeat Chelsea with a very accomplished performance Ziyech and then Emerson scoring with his first touch <laughs> um, I don't know I thought Atletico was shite but it's just annoying how good Chelsea are I, I have to say um, yeah I mean we didn't do a pod um, earlier this week like to previewing these, these games but if you know if we did I would have said that I, I'm very nervous about this game I could I could have seen Atletico sort of coming back from that deficit that one goal deficit and yeah sort of bottling it um, and not really showing up especially because Mount and Jorginho were absent um, and yeah I was like I was bricking it basically um, the whole day and I was really nervous about it I, I think I had good reason to as well um, but yeah, we, I, I was shocked by how well we played. I mean, Atletico, yeah, sure, they were pretty poor. They didn't really turn up at all, um, which given that they had to get a goal um, was surprising. But we just completely neutralised them. They, didn't, they, they were suffocated by us. Rudiger was immense. He basically, yeah, pocketed Suarez yet again. Suarez was substituted after an hour, I think. Um, and it reminded me of how basically Salah was taken off um, for Liverpool against Chelsea because he was just being suffocated, didn't really have um, wasn't really showing much um, at all against Rudiger and Christensen, and Rudiger was just amazing. He was my man of the match personally. Kante was excellent. Basically, it was a vintage Kante performance in that he basically was everywhere, covered every blade of grass, all those all the typical Kante traits that we're used to seeing. And it, he just yeah was amazing. One of his greatest performances for Chelsea, I would, I would argue. Um, but yeah, I was just shocked by Letico because they they really need to get a goal. They obviously had to, and they didn't turn up at all. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what Simeone was doing, to be honest. Such a great coach, but I don't know what he said to the players at halftime, um, but it clearly didn't work. Um, yeah, Havertz was great. Werner worked his socks as usual. 
I, I, I admired the sort of celebrations at the end. It made me feel really happy because this was the first time that Chelsea got this far in the Champions League um, since 2014. Um, and it was almost like underwhelming how sort of easy this, this game was. If you, if you sort of get my drift, like I'd expected it to be very tough, but yeah, we just, it was quite easy and a very mature performance by Chelsea. I think, I think we all thought this was going was gonna to be a closer tie. Um, Chelsea became the first English club to eliminate Atletico Madrid from the knockout stage of a major European competition since Gary Megson's Bolton Wanderers in the 2007-8 UEFA Cup. Can you name the player, the only player, Bolton player, to score over the over the two legs? Kevin Davis. It's not Kevin Davis. He's a classic Bolton. That's why you mentioned him. Um. um. He shares a surname with many players. He shares a surname with who? Met, like many players. Uh, formerly of Liverpool. Heider Helgerson. No. Many players' surname, Arjun. Um, Smith. No. Um, what nationality was he? Is he? It will give it away, but, I'll, but you're not going to get it. So I'll just say Senegal. Oh, El Hadji Duf. It was El Hadji Duf. Remember, uh, he used to have that beef with Steven Gerrard and it got really bad. Did he? Is yeah. that why he left? I don't know if that's why he left, but it might have happened after, but it was really bad. I didn't watch much of him because also, you know, his, his sort of heyday was in the early 2000s, but I remember him, I remember like he was like one of the best days in the 2002 World Cup. That's why he got signed by Liverpool and it was like really crap for them. And it was like no for like spitting at fans, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crowd, yeah. The club hated him. Him, <laughs> and, him and remember... Ruddock, you know Ruddock, Neil Ruddock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him and Ruddock are like the most hated Liverpool players for a long time. <laughs> I remember thinking, you know, how he had that that sort of blonde hair um, during his time. I remember thinking like that Gibraltar's... was a really cool hairstyle. I wanted to copy it, but then I realised I was Chinese, so that would never. <laughs> No, Lawrence, I want to see that. You know, like when I shaved my head, the next stage everyone was telling me to do was to bleach it, and I didn't. But I want you to do it now. Now you mentioned it's never going to happen. <laughs> like Ellis Genge in his hair again in the Six Nations against France the other day, bleached it, shaved it. That's what you have to do now. See, see, what I want to know is, are they breaking coronavirus protocol to get those haircuts? That's apparently, really apparently Genge didn't break it because his uh, teammate did it in the bubble. I see. Is so, there some clubs have their own? No, the teammate tried to give him a fade, and the fade was so bad that just did everything the level of the fade, and then they bleached it so that no one would see. But it, it just said because but his skin's quite dark like mine, so That's it looked really noticeable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, like back to the game. Um, I, I mean, I, I was very, I was very happy with this performance. Um, what did you guys watch this game? What, what, what did you make of Chelsea? We did watch the game, but we want to talk more about hair now. <laughs> um, well, I thought Chelsea looked very good. There's not really much new. I thought Reese James had a good game at right wing back. Um, yeah, he back- provided, created the most chances of the game of any, uh, any player. Yeah, I thought, because Atletico have got a lot of hyped players, you know, like Thomas Lamar and, and Jao Felix, but they just didn't perform at all. It was a really dull performance from them. I thought I thought Jar Felix was actually their best player by quite a distance. He was he was very good. However, it's a bit depressing seeing a player of his talent. Like, what is he like twenty? Um, like almost like yeah. I mean, I don't watch Atletico week in week out. Obviously, I'd be a bit of a sadist if I did that. But like, I just he's there for seven years. I mean, that's quite a long time. A seven-year yeah. contract under a manager who I don't think is going anywhere. 
it's a bit it's a bit depressing um but you know i hope i hope he could does obviously they've break had down. this they've had this central midfield partnership of coke and sal for like five years now and i feel like it's just going a little bit stale but who am i to talk i mean they're like they're doing well in the liga so um I mean, it, it kind of leads on to my next point, which I'll get on to after the City v uh, Merchant Gladbach game. Obviously, City um, duplicating their result from the first leg, another 2 0 win. Um, like, there's really nothing else to say, is there, Ash? I mean, City are good. And the, the only thing I want to ask you is do you think they'll do the quadruple? Um, no, I don't. I don't think they'll win the Champions League. Um, 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 but I would say that they are, you know, massive. Um, I'd say that they're not. They're, I would don't think they win the Champions League, but they've got a very, very good chance. Um, I think against Gladbach, they're always going to win. That was like one of the easiest draws you could have gotten, um, and everyone kind of thought that they'd win. So I, no one was surprised. Um, and you know, I, I think that was pretty routine. It wasn't a really great game to watch, to be honest, either. In terms of the quadruple. I think there's a reason why no team's ever done it. And I think bet teams better than City have never done it, if that makes sense. So, like... Um, well, I, I think I think a domestic treble is very, like, achievable. As as we've said, they're going to play Spurs in, in the Carabao Cup final. That's one trophy done. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. They've got the league wrapped up, let's be honest. And, yeah. you know, they've got a good record in the FA Cup. So, I and I think that, you know, if, if Pep wants to go for it, they'll win it. Um, and that just leaves the Champions League, as you said, Ash, which is what, always kind of a lottery, and where and it's where City have failed in the past. What What do you think, Arjun? Um, well, I mean, we might as well just can, dis- can they beat Bayern and PSG? Is the point? We'll we, might well, we might as well just discuss the draw now. I think because yeah. I mean, let's be honest, Real Madrid and Atalanta, Bayern Munich beating Lazio, yeah. fair enough. But like, not not too much interesting happened in those games. So let's just go straight on to the draw. Um, I'm. I'll talk first about like how the draw went for Chelsea and also sort of for Liverpool as well because both me and Ash will be quite fairly happy with the draw. Um, we got Porto, um, probably the best, yeah, the easiest team you could have got. Whilst obviously I don't want to be complacent, I'm sure no fan wants to be. It's the best team you could have got. Um, quite simply, um, we're also at home for the second leg. If we win that, um, we'll play the winners of Real Madrid Liverpool. Now again, that's great for Chelsea. It means we avoid. Um, you know, Man City by and PSG from the other half of the draw. And again, if if we sort of get to the semis, we'll be at home for the second leg. So I'm pretty happy. It's the be- it's literally the best draw we could have got. Um, let's see how that plays out like in real life. But I'm I think Porto will be quite a, a hard team to play. Um, they're very def- defensively solid. Um, it'll be a very dull game as, as well. Like I wouldn't recommend watching this, especially when Bayern and PSG is happening at the same time. Um, but yeah, I'm very happy about that personally. Liverpool Real Madrid Ash should be quite a good tie. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm much happier facing this iteration. I think we're much closer than the Kiev final where we lost because we've gotten better and they've gotten worse in that time. Um, so I'm happy to face this iteration. They seem to be a bit in disarray and I definitely fancied the, their chances of going out in the last round. But they overcame and they're, they're into the next round. I think um, I'm happy to be at home in the second leg if that matters at all these days uh, with no fans. But... Um, yeah, as I say, I think other than Chelsea and Porto, this would have been the team I'd be happiest to face because I don't want to face Bayern, don't want to face PSG, I don't want to face City, um, and I don't want to face Dortmund yet. Although I think we could have beaten Dortmund. So it's it's not, not the worst in the world. And then the fact that we're on this side of the draw, 
to the fact that if we win, we face either City or Porto, sorry, either Chelsea or Porto to get to the final means that that's, that's very satisfying. Yeah. Is this, yeah, think, is this the same Liverpool fan that saw six home defeats in the Premier League in a row? <laughs> Has a win, a 1 0 win against Wolves changed your outlook on. They're currently still on that, that home um, like record, aren't I they? Know. They haven't played yet. <laughs> Has one win against Wolves? Changed your opinion of them for that much. I think Real Madrid are so much the better side. Sorry, yeah. I mean better than Liverpool now. Yeah, I mean I I I, I speaking as someone who obviously doesn't watch Liverpool week in week out, I think it's quite an even tie. I, would, I put Liverpool as a favourite to that. Obviously they've been quite crap in in the league this year, but in Europe, you know, come on, they're they're sort of a different beast. And Real Madrid, I, I haven't been convinced by at all. Whenever I watch them, they're basically like just being carried by Ramos and Benzema. Um, and I think like, I think this would be a great match to watch. Um, I mean, all four of these teams in this half of the draw will be happy with their draw. Um, I think they both sort of um, play into each other's hands quite well. Uh, Porto will think that che- they can definitely take Chelsea, vice versa. And I think Liverpool will, will, will be happy. I mean, it's just the fact that we've, we've avoided all these other teams, City, uh, Bayern, PSG. That, is, that half of the draw is quite brutal. Um, yeah. I mean... Yeah. You know you know how in European two leggers it's all about if you get the away leg first, you want to minimize the damage, you know, and then go back home for a big performance. Liverpool, they've got the home match first, which is perfect for them. They can just try and get a nice nil nil draw and then go all at it at the Bernabeu, Um, given but... their home form. Um I agree with you. I think the other side is very tasty. Um I think City will fancy their chance against Dortmund because their defence is so good. Um, but that it's that buying PSG match. That's the, that's the real, that's the real cream of the crop, isn't it? My gripe with how the quarterfinals are done every year is that they have the four games spread over two nights, which is obviously fair enough. It makes sense, but they have them both at the same time every night. So now, as a Chelsea fan, I'll be obviously watching our games against Porto, but I won't be able to watch Bayern against PSG. Come on, man! So you why can't they screen it? Double screen. I will do that. I'll have like you know buying PSG on a laptop under the TV, but. I want oh, to watch it properly. You can't watch two things at the same time. Well, I can I can watch two things at the same time, but when I'm properly concentrating on my own team, it'll be hard for me to like look at the other game as well. I if... watch Harry Potter and my lectures you know, <laughs> concurrently all the time, so I mean I don't think it's an issue at all. Really. If, if, they do, if they could do like one game at six and the other at eight, that would be perfect. It would be the best of all fans, considering especially there's no fans at the stadium. Um, yeah. it, would, it would sort of make sense. Um, but yeah, Bayern PSG is very um, tasty, as he said. Um, it's about Liverpool Real. I've got to say that um, although Real Madrid are like not as good, they're still very challenging. I don't think it's going to be an easy tie at all. Um, like they, they, the way that they played with like Modric and Benzema still there, Roy um, Cruz is still there, um, Ramos is still there. Maybe we can get revenge on him. And now there's VAR, so if he does it again, he'll get sent off. And you know. It, it, there's like the, the rough center of that team that won three European Cups. Obviously, they're not as good as they were, but you know, I think I think I'm not as disappointed as I would be if I had to draw Bayern or City or PSG. I, I think I, I think that's fair enough. Let's okay. Let's just ask each other for like our final predictions, our predictions for the final. So I'm going to go for uh, Man City against Real Madrid. I'm going to go for Bayern Munich against Liverpool. I'm going to say Bayern Chelsea. 
<laughs> but the bands. Uh, 2013, 2012. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a repeat. Um, but hopefully, Bayern will win. Um, Mate, I, I don't care if, if he gets the final. That's good enough for me. The fact that we beat Bayern in their own backyard, that um, will will. Bolt. No, that, yeah. That, yeah, that's there forever. That's, I mean, like, I don't want Bayern to win because then they'll be on seven European cups. I don't want PSG or Man City to win because of what the damage they're doing to the sport. So the people I wouldn't mind winning are Porto, obviously Liverpool. Chelsea, I don't want for the same reason as as PSG and and City. So Porto and Dortmund and Liverpool are the only teams I'd be okay with winning. So it's not going to happen. But those win. So Chelsea, who have been through quite a lot this season, they're currently sitting fourth in the Premier League. They comfortably beat the La Liga leaders. Do you think this is a reassertion of the the English league's dominance after? Uh, over the rest of Europe after a lean year last year. I mean, we're now we're now joint top of the um back 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 at joint top of the coefficients, and we'll definitely overtake Spain because their results in sixteen seventeen I think it was going to be wiped out at the end of the season where they did very well. Um, English teams didn't. So yeah, um, I think like for some other leagues, they they're like their overall league has strengthened, but the, the best teams haven't just haven't performed. Like Serie A sort of got much better the last couple of years. Uh, especially like the middle teams and the, the the you know the relegation teams, they've improved, but the, they've just been either been unlucky with draws or just have the, haven't just haven't performed in Europe. But I don't know. Um, I think yeah, English teams are basically the best in Europe. Um, but yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say the English league is the best in Europe. Um, I mean, it could well be, but I don't think that's just because of the, their dominance in Europe. If that makes sense, mm. like. Yeah. Well, there's there's three Premier League teams in the in the final eight. Obviously, I think it. I think it does stem from the quality of management that that the Premier League has has been able to attract. I don't know if you sort of see it that way. I think it's more nowadays. It's more about the managers and less about the players. Yeah, um, yeah, we are we are definitely in like the era of the super manager, um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Right on to um, Arjun. Uh, I'm going to hand over to you for your little segment. You're going to test our European league knowledge. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're obviously well over halfway um, through the season in, in most leagues. Um, I just thought I'd like to sort of find out whether you guys are aware of what's going on in some of the other leagues around Europe. Um, no cheating, obviously. Um, we'll go to you, Lawrence, because Ash has basically disappeared for the foreseeable future. He's, he's gone for a bit of a toilet break. So I'll, I'll just go straight to you, Lawrence. Um, Turkey. Who's top of the league in Turkey? It's obviously going to be an Istanbul team. Um, who, which team do you think is top of the league in Turkey? Oh, come on, man. Um, you've only got a few. There's only a few I teams mean, that could really... I mean, you've said it's Istanbul. I mean, it's not Basaksehir. I'm, I'm pretty. Yeah, sure. so Istanbul Basaksehir are currently in the relegation zone, which, considering, yes. yeah. yeah, that's quite poor. <laughs> that's, <laughs> having a bit of a not... shocker. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's either going to be it's either going to be Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, or Besiktas. I'm going to go with uh, Fenerbahce. Yeah, no, you're wrong. Uh, the team currently <laughs> top <laughs> of Turkey is Besiktas. Uh, although that might change as we speak, because Galatasaray are currently playing, and if they win, they go top. So it's actually a bit of a trick question. Um, Ashwin, uh, going to you. So this is basically a segment we're doing for like you know state of play in some leagues in Europe. So I'm going to go to you. Who do you think is top of the league in Ukraine? Shakhtar. Nope, it's Dino Kiev. The, you have the other, you have two options there, and you got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> what about Portugal? Who's top of the league in Portugal? Benfica. Nope. 
Um, this team that is top of the league it's is on, yeah, it's Sporting uh, Lisbon, who are undefeated. Uh, one of the few teams uh, left in Europe who haven't lost a game yet. I think they only have like eight games to go. Uh, they found a replacement for Bruno Fernandes very quick. Um, we mentioned them earlier. It was them Rangers. Uh, I can't remember. Um, oh yeah, Slavia Prague also. Oh, right. uh, but obviously the Czech league isn't as strong. So yeah, Slavia Prague are top of the league in the Czech Republic. What about Denmark now? Denmark. Do any of you know who's top of the league in Denmark? Uh, it's either Bronby or Copenhagen, isn't it? Yeah, because Copenhagen are historically the best team. Yeah. So go with them. It's actually Bronby who are top of the league in okay. Denmark. Mitchelland, who you know were in the Champions League earlier yeah. this season, I think, are I think I think in third place. And finally, um, this is quite an easy one. Who's top of the league in Austria? They're a very dominant team. Uh, Salzburg. Yeah, Salzburg are basically they've actually lost a game this season, which is very unlike them. Uh, but yeah, Salzburg are top of the league. The reason why I always try and pay attention to all these sort of random leagues in Europe, I wouldn't say these are random leagues, but like, yeah, different leagues, just because obviously it improves my chance of winning bets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's we, why. We we at this uh, symposium would like to say that you need to gamble responsibly. Yeah, when uh, the fun stops, stop. Um, shout out to Calvin, who, if he's listening, obviously, <laughs> is having a bit of a torrid week with his Cheltenham bets. Don't do, yeah. don't be Calvin Hung. You yeah, six out of your seven races at Cheltenham. Don't don't do that. Come on. Yeah, I think he lost. Yeah, he was on one out of seven yesterday, which is obviously disgraceful. I've I mean the thing about because uh, obviously you're a big fan of Akers, aren't you? As as they're well known, Akers. Yeah. Um, it just seems so difficult to be able to accurately predict like eight different results. So I only I only go for four results, and I don't go for results. I go for like goals. So I go for like one team to score one goal or team to score two goals. And what I do is I just go all out on like the smaller leagues around Europe. So I go, I go for say Salzburg to score three goals, Dinamo Zagreb to score two goals, Bayern to score two goals. Like things where it's quite obvious, and I just win like twenty quid, and I don't go big, and I just go small, and I win. And that's basically what I oh, do. You win- oh, you oh. win. I know Calvin basically goes for like the really long odds, like oh this game's end two two away win, both teams to score, and it's just like. No wonder you lose so much, mate. But yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah wow. Okay. I mean, don't, don't children, don't, don't, don't gamble, please. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, it's, I mean, I, I hate losing money, so I've actually never used any of these gambles. Yeah, I know. Likewise, I, I just that's anathema to me. I couldn't do it. But um, uh, just to finish up, something that is not well, it's still a little bit of a lottery. But there is FA Cup this weekend. A few stand-up ties: Everton playing City. Leicester playing United. If you want to see the rest of the fixtures, just get up BBC Sport on your phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's also some Premier League, uh, but none of the games are of any <laughs> importance. I, I don't even know which games are on this weekend. I think like uh, Vince playing Leeds and Brighton Newcastle. So uh... it's a big games to be fair for like the relegation. Yeah. I mean, I mean so, to be honest, this is like a European special symposium, so we exactly. can be excluded for not talking about domestic football for once. And yeah. I think the audience might find that to be slightly actually um, more interesting, just a bit of variety as well. I think it was a true you we talk for like 15 minutes about how great Marcelo Bielsa is. <laughs> Uh, we won't do that. For I want to finish up, though. Um, I'm not sure this is in the schedule, but just mentioning the England squad, because obviously that was announced a couple of days ago. No that is sort of players, thank God. Yeah, so Trent was dropped, um, which is, you know, is a bit shocking, but I guess Southgate just doesn't like them at all. Um, clearly prefers Reese James and Trippier over him. Um, but I thought, like, some, the inclusion of certain players is interesting, like Ollie Watkins um, over Bamford, which I thought was a bit odd. 
Um, if, if you're going to drop a player, the right back position is one where <laughs> there is a lot of cover. So I, I don't think I, we can blame Southgate necessarily because, as we know, Alexander-Arnold's not been in a great run of form and there are a lot of able players waiting in the wings. That well, I, I just think it's that like he took too long to basically call up Alexander-Arnold when like he was in like, world-class form like mm-hmm. to probably integrate him to England setup. And then when he just, like now, is like the first time in his career where he's basically having a, a bad run of form and he's just dropped him, which I think is a bit odd. Uh, it's quite amusing because obviously I have, I, I'd like Rich James to be playing instead. But I think it's a bit sort of shoddy man management, personally. Like, Definitely. And he's he just... like phoned Trent up, apparently, and said, you know, you're still in the mix. But I think he's better than Trippier and Trippier's been picked. So, You know, it One... just reminds me of say how like Michael Carrick was basically never really favoured for England when he was like basically what England had needed for years. And, you know, Trent is a player who's obviously you could say like he's a system player and he doesn't really fit in the system, but you, he's still he's such, such a world-class player who's just going through a couple of rough months and you've got to like integrate him to the squad, you know, because when, you know, I don't know, I think it's a bit silly to be honest. Um, as good as Trippy is, I think you should be picking Walker. Oh, sorry, you should be picking Alexander-Arnold over him. Um, and when there are players like Dyer and Cody getting called up over Tomori, I think it's just a bit stupid, to be honest. And Mings as well. I mean, if you're going to pick an Aston Villa centre-back, pick, pick Conte, so don't pick Mings. Yeah, uh, Jesse Lingard's obviously back, um, having been quite impressive on loan at West Ham. I think it's quite unlucky because, uh, obviously, with James Madison injured, there might have been a place in the squad for... Uh, youngster Jack Grealish, but obviously he's injured as well. That could have been a chance for him to force him himself in the side, because I think we all think he, sh- well, in our opinions, he should be on the plane just for that X factor, really. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's let's finish up there. Um, thank you very much for joining me for this Cheers, European guys. special. European uh, special. Alvidesen, Ashwin Orlak. Rivederci, au revoir, adios. European special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I bid you out. Boss with Anya. Hola and adios, uh, Arjun Chala. Yeah, bye. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>